When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 215 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Great show today, people. So much to get into. I am going to bounce around to about a million different topics today. And so here is a very quick rundown because there is so much to get into. I'm actually going to open with college football. As you know, as you've probably heard, college football national championship game is on Monday night, LSU Clemson. It's been about 10 years since the national semifinals were played, but these two teams will get on the field and play on, on Monday night. I have two quick thoughts. I don't think you've heard them anywhere else, and so I'm going to do what AT does, which is tell you some stuff that you've probably never heard anywhere else. We are going to then talk just a little brief bit more football with Mike Leach. The pirate ship has landed in Starkville. That news broke shortly after I recorded last week's final episode, so I will talk about Mike Leach. I think it's great for the SEC, great for college football. Surprise, surprise. Transition to a little bit of the weekend basketball. How about my Baylor Bears? I've been telling you about Baylor since September, since October. I am the only person that I know of that picked Baylor in the preseason to go to the Final Four. Here they are. They go to Kansas, win, uh, beat Kansas, and they should be the number one team in the country come Monday. Then more college hoops, and I'll tell you why. Leonard Hamilton, the legend, one of the great coaches. Honestly, it's going to sound crazy. In the history of college basketball of the ACC, It sounds crazy. By the end of the season, Leonard Hamilton will be in the top five in wins in ACC conference history. Leonard freaking Hamilton. He will join the show. We have a great conversation I recorded late last week, and we talk about a lot of different topics. We talk about Florida State, but we also talk about just kind of um, the state of college athletics, a lot of the stuff that I talk about. Do we undervalue education? Are we changing college sports too much for the Zion Williamson's and Anthony Davis's and, and taking away the good of the... T- it was a really interesting conversation. You're going to enjoy it. We'll wrap with shout-out to the day. Very special shout-out to the of the day today, by the way. Uh, and that's going to be it. Before we get started, a couple quick notes. First of all, you know the deal. Subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. A couple new reviews since the last time with Yes, Yes, Maybe calling me his co-pilot. I will read one today. I will read one next week. This one comes from Sean Sprigg who said, AT is the man. Don't disagree with that. 
Started listening to Aaron when he hosted KSR this summer. He plugged his podcast. I'm so glad he plugged it. I listen to it every week to get an unbiased opinion on everything. And nine times out of ten, he is right. Sean, you're the man. And here's the other thing about AT. Here's the big thing. If I'm not right, guess who owns it? Your boy AT. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I appreciate the kind words, Sean. This is a fun show. I love doing it each and every week. I love communicating with you guys. I love talking with you guys. I love having guests like Leonard Hamilton on. So it's going to be a great show. Also, make sure you're following on Instagram. Gave out some more winners in college hoops this weekend. Four out of five against the spread wins. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. And finally, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. We did a mailbag segment last week. A lot of you guys liked it. We will do it again in the future. Now, before we get into the college football stuff, one other thing. Many of you, first of all, the, the, the audio, if it sounds a little bit different today, you know why? Guess where I am, people. I am at Lagasse Stadium. Remember that? A couple weeks ago, obviously, as you guys probably remember, many of you were here in Las Vegas, the CBS Sports Classic, Kentucky, Ohio State. I threw a little shindig, a little get-together at Lagasse Stadium. Well, I am back. If you noticed in the back corner, they have a radio booth. Uh, They invited me to record the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast here. I am here. I'm actually here in the middle of... Of the Texans-Chiefs game, shout out to the Texans who were up 24-7. to So if you hear a little background noise, it's because, let's be honest, AT is recording this show in a sports bar. And I'm telling you, and I think the people who came will attest to this. If you're in Vegas, I don't care what you're here for. I don't care if it's March Madness, the conference tournaments. If you happen to be listening to this and you're in town for the national championship game, Clemson-LSU, Lagasse Stadium at the Palazzo is the best place to watch games. It is the best sports bar in Vegas. I've been to Vegas a million times, as many of you know, and I've been to a lot of different places. This is the best place. They got all the big games. I should mention, they have a sports book in the sports bar, so you don't even have to leave the restaurant to make your bets. Hate to brag, just nailed Minnesota minus one and a half against Michigan. Cash my ticket right here at Legacy. So if you're in Vegas for any big event and you want to watch the games, Legacy Stadium is the place to be. All right, enough small talk, enough whatever. We got to talk some sports here because it is an amazing week in college sports. Uh, obviously, look, um, you know, the sports have overlapped for about the last six or eight weeks. And I've kind of piggybacked, you know, bounced back, ping pong back and forth between college football and college basketball. This week is probably, frankly, the last time I'll be talking college football for a while. But what a game we have on Saturday, the national championship. Don't know if you heard. Don't know if you remember because the semifinals took place about six months ago. Reminds me of the movie Basketball. Anybody see Basketball? The playoffs go on for like two and a half months. That's like the college football national championship game. LSU and Clemson will play in New Orleans. And look, line's about six, six and a half. LSU is favored. I've seen like a crazy disproportional amount of money come in on on LSU. I am not betting against the Tigers. I did it against Texas. I did it against Florida. I did it against Alabama. I am done betting against LSU. My personal pick is is LSU, but I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to be honest. I want to talk to you about this game in a way that nobody else is, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm actually rooting for LSU, and it probably sounds crazy, and you're probably sitting there thinking like, dude, AT, you're in the media. You're not supposed to root for people. No cheering in the press box. What are you doing, dude? 
and it, it's deeper than just, oh, you know, I want this or I want that. First of all, I've talked about it a million times. The Ed Orgeron story is amazing. Ed Orgeron, we know it. I've talked about it. I'm not going to get into it. But six, seven, eight years ago, this guy was a punching bag. This guy was the head coach at Ole Miss. It didn't work out well. He ends up being in the movie The Blind Side, and he's kind of this, you know, basically Ed Orgeron, larger-than-life figure, uh, you know, goofy, you know, bringing the kid out of the tunnel, all that stuff. And, I, you know, at some point he became a caricature and not a head coach. And so for him to have the opportunity to win a national championship in his home state for his home school after getting fired at Ole Miss, I should mention, oh, by the way, I live in Los Angeles. He went 6-2 and two as USC's in term. They did not hire him full-time. I think that would be an incredible story. But that's not, re- that's not why I want LSU to win this game. Why I want LSU to win this game is really very much more simple than that. I don't even know if that made sense. It, it, it is much more simple than that. And it's very simply this, is that are you sure, are we sure, is college football ready for another dynasty? And is it going to hurt college football? Because that's what's going to happen if Clemson wins the national championship this week. So to backtrack, many of you guys have listened to this show. You've been loyal listeners from day one. Many of you, like Sean Sprigg, have picked it up along the way. I obviously bounced back, like I said, between college football and college basketball. But if you can think back to the summer, Nick Coffey joined me. And Nick Coffey and I talked about where we are nationally with the state of college football. In the sense that it felt like coming into this season that college football was kind of at a crossroads where there was like five or six programs, four or five really, that had pulled away from the rest of the field, right? That Ohio State, that, that if, if, if we were all projecting our own personal playoff in August or September, we would have all said four of these five teams would probably be in, right? Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State. I mean, that was pretty consensus, like, Four of those teams are probably going to get in. Um, And I think everybody kind of thought, okay, it's either going to be Alabama or Clemson for the national championship, Tua or Trevor Lawrence for the Heisman Trophy. And so obviously, look, credit to LSU. They have pumped some new blood into this sport. Uh, Obviously, I just mentioned Ed Orgeron. I just mentioned what he has done for this sport. But you take it a step further. Um, Joe Burrow has been great for the sport, winning the Heisman. I think that's an incredible story in its own right. A guy that uh, couldn't win the starting job at Ohio State. He was obviously backing up what was eventually a first-round NFL draft pick, goes to LSU, whatever. But it goes deeper than that. Because if Clemson wins this, the LSU story is great. But if they don't win the national championship, and if you hear noise in the background, it's because it's now 24-14 KC, as Andy Reid holds up his uh, little stubby finger to say we're going for one. Um... If you think LSU, if they don't finish this, it's no disrespect to them, but it does take a little bit out of this season. And more importantly, this is what it does. It sets up Clemson to be the next dynasty in college football. And we just got out of another dynasty with Alabama. And I don't know if it's it's best for the sport if we jump from one to the next. And so to, to kind of, again, take it a step further, let's think about what Alabama has done over the past 10, 12 years in college football. And when I lay out the numbers, I think you're going to be blown away by just how dominant. Like, like, we all know Alabama's dominant. Nobody's saying that they're not dominant. But this is an incredible stat. Each of the last 11 seasons, Alabama's won at least 11 games. By the way, since 2008, they've won 10 games in every season, and they've won 11 in all but one of those seasons. 
They've played for six of the last ten. They played, excuse me, for uh, they've played in six of the last ten national championship games. They were in the playoff for five straight years. They were in the national championship game each of the last four seasons prior to this one. And so even though Alabama didn't win all those those championships, they won a lot, don't get me wrong, they, they have kind of had a stranglehold on this sport. And whether you love Alabama or you hate them, it is getting, it has gotten a little bit tiring to the idea of like, dude, Alabama's just in the mix every single year and nobody else has a shot. And listen, Bama fatigue is a real thing in college football. And that's part of what made this season so fun is that LSU, we finally got a team at least for one year in the SEC to step up to Alabama, to challenge them, to beat them and to take their throne as the best program in the SEC. Now, will it last? We don't know. Ed Orgeron, or excuse me, Joe Burrow is going to be gone after this year. The offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, is getting a lot of interest from the NFL. We don't know if this is going to last at LSU. But for at least one year, somebody stepped up to Bama. But Bama fatigue before that was real. We got tired of the same team every single year playing for and winning the national championship as I have drunk people waving at me because this is what happens when you do the show the sports bar uh, every single year the last four years four of the last six of the last 10 years Alabama has played for the national championship and I do think it's hurt the sport and so I do think it's been great for LSU to be there and I don't think it would be good for Clemson to be there because this Clemson thing it still feels new but it's really not okay Clemson now, this is insane, is playing for its fourth national championship in the last five years. They've won, they've won two, they've lost one, and obviously whatever happens on Monday night will happen on Monday night. Fourth national championship in five years. And if they win this one, it will be their third national championship in five years. And there's a very real possibility that, oh, by the way, they get another one next year because Trevor Lawrence is coming back. And so you're talking about now a program that could potentially win four national championships over a five-year span, make the playoff in all five years. And what's going to end up happening in, the, in college football is we're going to go right from one dynasty to the other, right from one juggernaut that nobody can topple to the other. Because I'm telling you this, Bama ain't beating Clemson next year, not with Mac Jones at quarterback. Nobody in the ACC is. Justin Fields, we just saw Justin Fields go head-to-head against Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think it's going to happen. And so Clemson is already set up to play for the national championship this year. And if they win on Monday, we are talking about another dynasty. And we're talking about another season where we go into twenty, the twenty fall of 2020 saying like, dude, this is unbelievable. We already know who's going to win the national championship. They've won the last two. They got Trevor Lawrence coming back. And so I don't think it's good for college football to go straight from one dynasty to the other in the same way it wouldn't be good if after we just got tired of watching the Warriors for whatever it was, five years run through the NBA, four years run through the NBA. Imagine if, imagine if the Warriors win all those championships and then this year the Lakers win it and they go off on a, and they win four straight more. Four more straight after that. That's not good for the NBA. Just like it wouldn't be good for college football. Use another analogy. It's like 
dating a, a girl or a guy as I slap the mic, and I think KC's about to score another touchdown here, but it's, it'd be dating a girl or a guy. You pour your heart into it. You pour your soul into it. You give it everything you got, and guess what? You break up. And then two weeks later, you're dating somebody else and you lived and you moved in with them and you're living with them and you got a joint bank account and all that stuff. That's exactly what college football would be if we go from the Alabama dynasty of the 2010s to the Clemson dynasty of the last five or six years. And I don't think it's good for college football. That's why it's so important for LSU to win this game on Monday night. Because if LSU wins, that gives a lot of people hope. If LSU wins, that means going into the offseason, Clemson, they, they finally, we've seen a little blood. To quote Rocky IV, uh, you know, he bleeds, he bleeds, like, like he's bleeding, he's bleeding. We've seen Clemson get some blood. Alabama, maybe now they feel like, okay, well, if LSU did it, maybe we can do it. LSU comes in saying, dude, we're the top dog. I don't care if we don't have Joe Burrow. We're going after it. It gives Georgia fans a chance. They, they feel like they have a chance. They can be the next. L it gives so many fan bases the opportunity to believe that, hey, we're just like LSU. We're one off season away. We just need the right coach, the right coordinator, the right quarterback. We just need to stir it all in a pot. And we have the chance to be the next LSU. And again, it might be Bama. It might be LSU. It might be Georgia. It might be Oklahoma. It might be Notre Dame. It might be Michigan, Ohio State. But teams are going to feel like they have that opportunity. And they're not going to feel like that if Clemson wins. If Clemson wins, it becomes two straight national championships, 30 straight wins. Nobody's got a shot, which I'm going to get into in a minute. And so to me, that is why I'm rooting for LSU. I know I'm in the media. I know I'm not supposed to root for people, but for the good of college football, I do think that it is important for LSU to win on Monday night. Now, what's the alternative if LSU doesn't win? Well, this is the second thing, and I think I'm the only person that you'll hear say this. And by the way, this has become a, a running theme with this show. I say stuff, right? Because AT, there's a reason they call me Nostratores. I say stuff. And everyone says, AT, it's, he's so full of hot takes. And what an idiot. And screw that guy. And he's just looking for attention. And then like two weeks later, a month later, whatever, it's common sense, right? So what happened with Louisville basketball? I told you. I said, like, Louisville basketball is not very good right now. Everybody crushed me. Oh, AT, he's spitting out hot takes. This is what he does. Ignore him. He's just looking for attention. Oh, guess who was right? Louisville barely won at Notre Dame yesterday. Notre Dame is not very good. How about the Nevada Wolfpack? I said, Steve Alford, I don't buy it. I wouldn't have hired him. Oh, you're just a hater. You do Well, Nevada, guess what? Lost on Saturday night. 10-7, and 3-2 and two of the Mountain West, okay? They lost seven, ga seven games already. They lost four all of last year. Five in the NCAA tournament. They've lost seven and we're in the middle of January. I could go on and on. I said Cole Anthony is probably never going to play at UNC again. Nobody was saying it. Now I see people saying it. So why do I bring it up? It's because I got a college football take for you. I got a college football take that I believe is going to happen if Clemson wins. And I'm going to tweet it out on Monday. And people are going to say, you're an idiot. And you don't know what you're talking about. And I guarantee if Clemson wins, then this is going to be the conversation come Tuesday morning. Come Monday night, come Tuesday morning. That question is very simply this. If Clemson wins the game on Monday night and they win the national championship... We will go into next season talking about Trevor Lawrence 
having the opportunity to go down as the greatest quarterback in college football history. The greatest quarterback in college football history. People are going to say you're crazy. AT, he, he hasn't won a Heisman. He plays in the ACC. He doesn't play anybody. You don't know what you're talking about. Trust me, I'm going to get it. It's what I do. As I've told you before, I am the news cycle, okay? There's a news cycle, then there's the AT news cycle. I say stuff and it becomes common knowledge later. This is part of the AT news cycle. If Clemson wins, this is what the conversation is going to be. Trevor Lawrence could go down as the greatest quarterback in the history of college football. And I know what everyone's going to say. Well, he plays in the ACC and he doesn't play anybody in Boston College. And look at all those terrible teams in NC State. And, uh, you know, they, uh, you, there are Texas high schools that are better than some of the teams that he plays in the ACC. I won't disagree with that. But what I can tell you about Trevor Lawrence is this. First of all, for all the talk about how, quote unquote, bad he was, that guy was awesome this season Throughout the season, he was certainly great in the college football playoff. But, I mean, for all the talk about how bad Trevor Lawrence was, 36 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 9 yards of completion, 67% passing. That's this year. That's this year. But then on top of it, think about what Trevor Lawrence's resume would look like coming into next year if, in fact, he does win on Monday night. First of all, no team in the history of college football had ever gone 15-0 which is, of course, uh, you know, winning, your, winning all your regular season games, your conference championship game, and two playoff games. No team had ever gone 15-0 before last year. Well, Trevor Lawrence would have done it twice. He would be 26-0 and 26-0 as a starter coming into next year with the opportunity to go 41-0 because keep in mind, he didn't start the first four games last year. That was Kelly Bryant, but he was the backbone of two 15-0 teams. He'd be 26-0 as a starter. He'd have the chance to go 41-0. And here's something else to consider. For everybody that says he doesn't play anybody, if Trevor Lawrence wins on Monday night, guess what? He'll have wins over Joe Burrow, in this year's playoff, Justin Fields in this year's playoff, and Tua in last year's playoff. Those are the three great quarterbacks from his era of college football. He would have a head-to-head win over all of them with a chance to get another one against Justin Fields next year. And so I'm just telling you, I'm just putting it on your radar. AT is telling you that if Trevor Lawrence, if Clemson wins on Monday, The conversation come Tuesday, is Trevor Lawrence going to go down as the best quarterback in the history of college football? I'm telling you, it will be a conversation, so keep an eye out on that. All right, last college football topic. I'm already going way longer than I thought I would, but this is what AT does. This is what AT does. And I mentioned it earlier, but don't know if you heard. The pirate ship has landed. The pirate ship has landed. Mike Leach, your new Mississippi State head football coach. And this news broke shortly after I uh, put out my last episode last Thursday. Many of you have hit me up, so I did want to talk about it briefly. But first of all, all I can say is, what a coup for Mississippi State. What a coup for the SEC. This is just so great, right? Like Whatever you think of Mike Leach, we're going to get into it in a minute. They just made Mississippi State relevant. And so quickly, we do need to give a shout-out to two kids in specific. First of all, shout-out to the Ole Miss kid that decided that he wanted to celebrate a touchdown by pretending to pee on a fire hydrant. You guys remember that story? Egg Bowl, Ole Miss scores what should have been the game-tying touchdown. 
Kid celebrates by pretending to pee on a fire hydrant. He gets a penalty, the extra point that would have forced overtime. He misses it. Well, guess what happens after that? Ole Miss loses, and Lane Kiffin gets hired at Ole Miss. So that's great. Ole Miss has a new head coach, and it's Lane Kiffin, and that's awesome. But I want to give a second shout-out to another guy. By the way, stay stay tuned for the shout-out of the day. This is incredible. Shout-out to the kid at Mississippi State. And I hope you guys saw the story. But before their bowl game, before Mississippi State's bowl game, their quarterback was ruled in, un, in, unable to play because he had a broken orbital socket, which is basically your eye socket. And it was because his teammate punched him at practice. So a Mississippi State player punched another Mississippi State player. It was the starting quarterback. They go to their bowl game. They get smoked in their bowl game, if I remember correctly. And after the bowl game, the administration is like, wow, this program is like kind of out of control. Like, we had a guy punch another guy. Our starting quarterback couldn't play in a bowl game because he got socked by one of his teammates. And so what ended up happening was the, old, the Mississippi State administration kind of said, like, dude, this program's out of control. We can't bring Joe Moorhead back for a third year. And he gets fired. And Mike Leach comes in. So shout out to the kid who punched the quarterback because that was one of the most important moments in Mississippi State football history, if you really think about it. One of the most important moments in Mississippi State football history happened when one teammate punched another one because it was the excuse the school needed to fire Joe Moorhead and bring in Mike Leach. Now, in terms of Mike Leach himself, let's talk a little bit about it because what I will say is this. I think it's awesome. I think he is a – because he is so goofy, I don't think people realize how good of an actual coach that he is. And he is a really good coach. I mean, listen, you can say what you want about him, but he has taken two of the tougher jobs in college football, and he's won about as well as you can win there. He won 11 games at Washington State last year. He won nine games three times at Washington State. At Texas Tech, he won. So at Texas Tech and Washington State, two of the toughest jobs in FBS football, he won 11 games. And now he's at, at Mississippi State. And I think that's great for the SEC. And now, of course, uh, when that happened, there was people like me saying, wow, he's a really good coach. I can't believe Mississippi State got him. But of course, with anything, there's always the brushback, right? Everybody loves everything. And then you get, yeah, butt guy on Twitter talking about why it's not a great hire. And if, if, if you never heard me talk about yeah, butt guy, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but I have talked about it on my radio show. I have talked about it in a lot of different places. Yeah, butt guy is the guy on Twitter that just, no matter what you say, he always jumps in your mentions and says, yeah, but, um, uh, uh. shut up, dude. So like, yeah, butt guy. Yeah, sky's looking blue today. Yeah, but. Well, when it rains, you know, if I say the sky is blue, I feel like that's pretty common sense, right? Well, yeah, but guy on Twitter will come in my mentions and say, uh, well, yeah, but when it rains, it's cloudy. Don't worry about Don't forget about that. I'll be like, dude, shut up. Stop. I don't need your stupid commentary. Stop. I'll say something like, I could say something as simple as like, puppies are great. Yeah, but guy would jump in. Well, a Harvard study showed that one in 72 puppies show aggressive to shut up bro we get it you're miserable get out of my mentions and so of course the second that we all agreed that mike leach is an awesome hire for mississippi state yeah butt guy jumps in and says well he's never won a conference championship and he's never won the college he's never been in the college football playoff and he's never uh won a national championship shut up yeah butt guy because you know what 
You know who else hasn't won a conference championship in my life and I'm in my 30s? Mississippi State has not won a national championship or played in the conference, hasn't won a conference championship, hasn't played in the playoff, hasn't won. So they're a perfect marriage. He is about as good as Mississippi's. And I had people literally saying that. Well, you know, he's never won a conference championship. Who cares? It's Mississippi State. They could hire whoever. They're not beating Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and Ed Orgeron and Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen. They're not getting through all those teams. Even when Dan Mullen had it rolling at Mississippi State, that year that they got to number one in the country with Dak Prescott, guess what? They lost three games. People forget that because they got to number one in the country. They ended up losing three games that year going 10-3. and three. Mississippi State is historically a best-case scenario 8-5 and five school. They weren't getting some Nick Saban 2.0, so chill out and enjoy Mike Leach. And I'll tell you why you should enjoy Mike Leach. Because if you're going to go 8-5, and five, if history tells you you're going to go 8-5, you might as well have fun doing it. And I'll tell you what, nobody's going to be more fun than Mike Leach. He's going to say weird stuff at press conferences. He's going to be goofy. He's going to be different. He's going to be awkward. He's going to say stuff that makes you goes viral and makes Mississippi State football relevant. And so that's kind of my point. If you're Mississippi State and you know the best case scenario is probably eight and five, have some fun going eight and five, man. Have some fun with the pirate. You're not going to win a national championship anyway. Have fun, go eight and five, enjoy these next six or seven years. Then he'll probably retire and move to his little spot in Key West. But that's my takeaway. I'm thrilled to have Mike Leach in this conference. I'm thrilled to have Lane Kiffin. You add them in with Ed Orgeron, Jimbo Fisher, all the guys I mentioned, Nick Saban, Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart. It's just going to be a fun league going forward, and I'm really excited. All right, one quick basketball note, and I do want to remind you guys, if you're hearing a lot of background noise, it is because I am at Legacy Stadium. You guys, when you came out to the CBS Sports Classic, you joined me here. You loved it. It was fun. We had a blast. I want to thank, I should mention, I want to thank all you guys that came out to that event. And I, I should, by the way, apologize. If there was anybody that I didn't get to that day, I am truly sorry. Um, because it was just one of those deals where there were so many people I couldn't get to everybody. But I hope you guys enjoyed your stay at Legacy Stadium. I am again here at Legacy Stadium. And again, if you are out in Vegas at any point and you want to go watch the big game, if you're out here for the conference tournaments, if you're out here for the national championship game, Clemson LSU, this is the place that you want to go. Great food. Uh, every All the big games are on. Like I mentioned, a sports book in the sports bar. And uh, yeah, you're going to want to come here. I will actually be back here uh, broadcasting again during March Madness, but they have been nice enough to let me use their studio. So thank you to Legacy Stadium. I do want to wrap on some college hoops. Listen. It was a great weekend in college hoops. I don't know that there's earth-shattering stuff. It's like I to- I've told you guys this before. Is I'm not going to get worked up about, say, a-, a good team losing a conference game to another good team, right? So, like, I'm not going to do eight minutes on Michigan State losing to Purdue. Like, Purdue's a good team. They were at home. I'm not saying that uh, they should have lost by the way that they did, but, like, you... It happens. You lose on the road in conference play. So I'm not worked up about that. I did see a couple things that I wanted to uh, address here. And the first one is that, how about those Baylor Bears? Guys, listen. You know, listen. Sometimes you guys get mad at me because I brag too much. But as I tell you, when you're this right all the time, it's exhausting. And in the preseason, I told you. I am taking Baylor to go to the school's first Final Four in program history. I'm doing it. 
Because when I looked at Baylor in the preseason, what I saw was a team that finished fourth in the Big 12. They were picked to finish ninth last year. People forget. They finished fourth in the Big 12 in the regular season. They won an NCAA tournament game. And they brought back six of their top nine scores. I said they fit the profile of teams that are generally pretty good. They have veterans. They're experienced. They play in a good conference. They're going to be ready. They, they've, they've played in the wars. They've won tournament games. So it's not like a Memphis that's crazy talented but's never played in the NCAA tournament. It's like Baylor's got the goods. Well, I don't know if you noticed. Baylor just went to Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday night and beat the Can- Saturday afternoon and beat the Kansas Jayhawks for the first time in program history. And I don't know if you noticed. And I'm yelling because I'm fired up now. But I don't know if you noticed. But they've also. In the same week they beat Kansas at Kansas. They beat Texas Tech at Texas Tech. And I don't know if you noticed. But earlier this year they beat Villanova. And earlier this year they beat Arizona. And they beat Butler. Butler's only lost this entire season. As I record here on Sunday January 12th. Baylor is awesome. By the way, only loss November 8th, second game of the season. Washington on a neutral court. They had to lead the entire game. And so we spent so much time talking about there's no great teams in college basketball. This team is down. That team is down. First of all, I'll say this. For everyone talking about how down college basketball is, Duke's about to win the ACC. Kentucky's about to win the SEC, I believe. Michigan State's about to win the Big Ten. Arizona's probably going to win the Pac-12. I think they will, even after they melted down against Oregon the other day. Like, for everyone saying college basketball is down, the, the programs you want to be good are good, but the one exception is the Big 12, where Baylor is just running train on everybody. And I enjoyed that game so much, not just because it was kind of a manifestation of what I believed in the preseason, but I'll tell you this. If you haven't watched Baylor, it's not always the prettiest. I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that aesthetically... It's the the best, most fun basketball to watch. But what I love about Baylor, and I talked about it a little bit on the last show after they beat Texas Tech, they just got a bunch of older, tough SOBs. And if you watch that Kansas game, the one thing that stood out to me, every time that Kansas, you felt like they were going to make a run, somebody from Baylor stepped up and made a big shot. And this is what I love about college basketball. Last year with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Duke, They were clearly more talented. There's no doubt about it. But Michigan State had just some tough SOBs that were like, dude, we ain't losing to you today, R.J. Barrett. We ain't losing to you today, Zion Williamson. Sure enough, Michigan State goes to the Final Four. They come back as the number one team in the country. And Baylor has that same makeup. Where I do think they have some NBA guys. They have a kid named Jared Butler who's a stud. Uh, I'll be putting out my my midseason All-American teams this week. Jared Butler will be a first-team All-American. He's averaging almost 18 points a game. But they just got a bunch of tough dudes that aren't afraid to play. Great makeup to that team. Uh, they got a great. Everyone's got a great story. They got a couple of transfers that, that have transferred in from different places. Jared Butler, who I just mentioned. Uh, Freddie Gillespie is their big guy who started his career at a D3 school, came to Baylor as a walk-on. Now he's like an all-Big 12 kind of player. But I just love their toughness. And I just love the fact that they are kind of manifesting what I said in the preseason, which is they're a veteran tough fearless team. They are unafraid. They make big plays at home. They make big plays on the road, etc. Uh, a couple more notes from College Hoops. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on these. Seton Hall again, as something else happened in this football game. Looks like KC scored. They're up 28-21. So I'm giving you updates on a game that you already know the final score to. Really quick, um, Seton Hall, another impressive win. I'm telling you, 
They are starting to turn a corner. They had a bunch of injuries, as I told you last episode. And sure enough, they're starting to turn a corner. They've won six straight. They're 4-0 in the Big East. They play at Butler this week. But Miles Powell is awesome. But when he went down, other guys stepped up. They had a tough early season schedule. They played the battle for Atlantis where they did lose to Oregon. They played Michigan State at home where they lost. They played at Iowa State where they lost. But I think that's toughened them up. I think they're the second-best team right now behind Villanova. Um, Other results, the UConn game, I'll be honest, guys, I was in transit. I heard all about the UConn game. I'd be lying if I said that I knew exactly what happened or how it went down or anything like that. I know that UConn overcame a nine-point deficit late in the game with like a minute left. And I'll give UConn credit, man. Listen, you guys know I'm a UConn alum. Uh, I... They're playing tough, and they just lost one of their key players, Tyler Polly, for the season to an injury, and they're tough, man, and I truly believe that Dan Hurley's going to get that program going in the right direction, but uh, they lose that game, but but I still think it's a step in the right direction. They beat a Wichita team, which, by the way, for people who haven't been paying, paying attention to Wichita, shout out to Wichita. They are now 14-1 and this season their only loss was to West Virginia on a neutral court and if you go back to last year with Wichita and I tweeted this out the other day they are now excuse me they're 15 and 1 with the win on Sunday 15 and 1 this year last year they struggled but they finished strong they went 14 and 4 down the stretch they made a run in the NIT so if you go back to about this time last year over the course of a season 16 games this year 20 game or 18 games last year they are now 29-5 and five over their last, whatever that is, 32 games. They are for real. I'm telling you, shout out to them. Last couple notes, Kentucky, obviously a great win over Alabama. Nick Richards, Emmanuel Quickly, there's really nothing to say about those guys that hasn't already been said. I am just so impressed with how tough they are with what they bring to the table. Um and the way that they matured, and I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, but Emmanuel Quickly, man, both of them, those are two guys that very easily could have left the program in recent years. They could have transferred, they could have gone pro and hoped that they latched on, but they stuck the course. Emmanuel Quickly, I'm telling you, I know for a fact, schools reached out to his people to try to get him to transfer this offseason. He said no. He's averaging almost 19 points per game in the four-game winning streak for Kentucky. Happy to see that kid have success. Happy to see Nick Richards have success, too. Um, and those are the big takeaways. Listen, Louisville won a, a close game again. I think they need a little thicker skin. We'll find out if they can have that. Uh, Memphis is losing as I speak. We'll find out if they win. If they lose that game, they are in some big, big, big trouble. Uh, but I think that's all for College Hoops. So this is what I'm going to do. I am going to finish on College Hoops with an interview with Leonard Hamilton coming up. I will come back on the back end. A couple shout out shout outs of the day, including one college hoops, one non college hoops, and we will wrap. And that is going to be it. But that is it for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Somehow, just did a bunch of time on the big college football stories, and of course, the big college basketball stories from the weekend. Uh, but it is now time for Leonard Hamilton. And as I just mentioned a minute ago, Leonard Hamilton, you can legitimately make the case is one of the most underrated coaches in the history of college basketball people don't realize this he has been at florida state for 19 years by the end of this season 18 years he will be one of the five winningest coaches in the history of the acc mike shashevsky roy williams dean smith 
and I forget who the other guy is, and then and then Leonard Hamilton, and he's doing it at a football school with no tradition. They went to the Sweet 16 last year, the Elite Eight the year before, and he's just a sharp, smart, fun guy. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, his age, frankly, we talk about kind of the state of college basketball. We talk about Florida State, uh, and a fun question about his time as an assistant at Kentucky at the end of the interview. So that is all for this segment of the show. I will be back on the back end of the Leonard Hamilton interview. But now, here is the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, Leonard Hamilton. All right, and joining me on the phone now, he is the head coach of what is currently the 10th-ranked team in all of college basketball from the Florida State Seminoles. Coach Leonard Hamilton is on the phone. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing this fine, Aaron. How are you doing? I am doing well, my friend. I'm doing well. So here, I, I want to start with um, a somewhat obscure question here. But the other day, after you guys beat Louisville, great win for you, for your program, I kind of mentioned offhand, and I hope this isn't offensive, Coach. I said, you know, Leonard Hamilton, 71 years old, crushing it. Uh, and a lot of people were surprised, Coach Hamilton, that you're 71 years old. What is the secret to success? Why are you getting it, – it appears, I don't want to be offensive, that you're getting better with age. What are your secrets, man? Because we could all use a couple of them, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, I do think I, I keep things in perspective. Uh, I've always eaten right and I take care of my body. Uh, but I think more than anything else, I enjoy doing what I do and I enjoy working with young people. I, 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 we realize that. You know, in in this in this day of sports, uh, it appears that it's all about winning. But really, I, it's all about taking teenagers and ushering them into young adulthood and in, in, in a in a caring way. And we keep it in perspective, and we enjoy what we do. And uh, I think I've been blessed. My mother was ninety seven, and <laughs> uh, I, you know, so she's had longevity. I think I got good genes, and I enjoy what I do. And I intend to be doing it for a long time. That's exactly what I was going to say. So, so we're breaking news here. Florida State fans should expect you for like at least another twenty years, right? Well, I'm going to be doing it as long as I can, as, as long as I can, as long as I don't start calling my players by different names. I think I'm going to hang in there pretty good. <laughs> Fantastic. So, listen, the story of what you guys are doing this year has been well documented, but it remains incredible, and I, I don't think people truly appreciate. Uh, where you guys started and where you guys are now, as I mentioned, you and I are recording here late in the week right after the the, uh, the Wake Forest win, excuse me, and you're now 10th in the country. But I don't think a lot of people realize, you lost six out of your top eight scores off last year's team that went to the Sweet 16 a year before you're in the Elite Eight. Are you at all surprised by the success of this team? And, and kind of more importantly, what is it that's allowed you guys to have so much success so early in the season? I think we have a, 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 a maybe a little different approach than what some people have. Most people play they they top players thirty five, thirty six minutes. We have to play at such a pace offensively and defensively. It's almost virtually impossible to play cards. We we have to play and we require our kids to play to, to, to play more than twenty seven to thirty minutes a game. And we have some guys that play a little bit more. So we involve more players. We play we played eleven guys last night. Uh, and and that's who we are. We we don't necessarily always have uh, the 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 one and dones or the uh, the the first first round draft picks coming out of high school, but they always develop into guys who have a chance to play in the league and play in Europe and play professionally. So we kind of under the radar 
in terms of who we recruit and who's on our team. A lot of the guys who vote or vote for us or vote for outstanding players don't even know the names of the guys on my team. So mm-hmm. we feel like we've developed a system and a style of uh, recruiting that uh, that allows us to be successful with the high-character kids who play with tremendous effort, with unselfish spirit, and who want to compete at the highest level. And so I think that, you know, we just a little different than what most people I believe that the way the game, the approach to the game, and and our kids have bought in, and we attract kids who want to be a part of who we are. Well, and that was actually going to be my next question, so I'm glad you kind of led me there. Is I'm kind of amazed as I watch your teams year in and year out. As you said, you play seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys, and this is the time of year in college hoops where coaches are trying to kind of reduce their rotations to seven or eight guys that they know they can count on. Um, it sounds like you, you just laid out why you do it. It's because of the effort that you require your players on both ends of the court. But I'm kind of amazed in this era of the transfer portal and the second things go wrong, kids want to go to the next spot. What are you and your staff kind of telling these kids behind the scenes to, to, to convince them that, hey, you can come here. Instead of playing 34 minutes, you can play 24. We're going to have success, and you're going to have success because what you guys are doing does really kind of feel like it runs counter to what is going on in so many other places across college basketball. Well, Chris, Chris Kamadi is with Philadelphia. And they and he's probably going to sign a longer contract, and he only played 14 minutes a game. Fiondu huh. come and get the first round draft pick, uh, and and he he was a non-starter. Phil, um, um, Terrence Mann plays for the Clippers, and he uh, he played. He think he averaged 11, 11 points a game, but he's a complete player. I think we do a very good job of developing players. I think we're teaching them. They're getting exposure, and they're having success. Uh, we've only had three kids not graduate in 18 years. We've here, been here. They've been with us for four years. We've had some one and duns and two and out. But I, I, but I think that for the most part, our kids have, have gotten their degrees. I think we're taking teenagers and nursing them into young adulthood. I think that we place a lot of emphasis on character and and, and the overall development of youngsters, and I think the kind of guys we get in that that come to us feel that that's important to them in their life, and 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 so we don't try to sugarcoat it. We just try to be honest with people, and there are kids who really want to get the education. There are kids who want to want to be disciplined. They they want to go to class. They want to get their degree. And those are the guys we attract. They're attracted to us, and and then obviously we want to recruit kids who are talented enough so we can compete in the number one basketball conference in the history of college basketball, the ACC. So it's kind of working for us, and we try to recruit people who uh, uh, who we appeal to and who appeal to us. So that's really interesting, Coach. And you know, I kind of you know we were tongue in cheek off the top um, about you know you've been doing this for a long time, but I do find it interesting is that every year. You know, we all see the same headlines, and, and obviously, look, you know, James Wiseman leaves to pursue a professional career. We get it. He's going to be a very high draft pick, but it does feel like that every year, the educational element of this and the fact that, like, I know everyone wants to criticize college basketball and the NCAA or whatever, but a lot of good is done behind the scenes, and people like myself who go to games and are on campuses realize that, but kind of the national narrative I don't think is there in terms of a lot of these schools are doing a lot of good for a lot of kids. Have you found through the years, I, I'm guessing you have, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, that like 
I feel like we're kind of losing that. The fact that you're talking about recruiting kids that want an education is something that I feel like every every year, I don't know if it becomes less important, but I do feel like from guys like me in the media, not me specifically, but I do feel like those kind of things get talked about less and less. Well, there's no question that you guys, <clears throat> yep. you guys put so much emphasis on a pot at the end of the rainbow. You yep. spend more time talking about one and done and, and first-round draft picks, and you don't realize that only 25 or 30 kids make the, the NBA every year, and y'all spend all your time talking about the 30 kids who are elite and not the 7,000 kids who, mm -hmm. at some point in time, are going to be working 9 to 5. Sure. Uh, it's, it's really amazing to me that all our emphasis is placed on all our rules are governed uh, that we are implementing now uh, as to how you get to the, the Chicago, how you get to the draft, and and kids are, are transferring, 700, 800 kids are transferring because they were, they're always chasing that dream. But in reality, at the most, you might have 30 jobs a year, maybe 35, the kids who go in the NBA, and a lot of them are from Europe. So, you know, we've created this mindset that everybody's shooting for this spot when you only have 450, 60, 400 so jobs. You have 700 kids, 7,000 kids probably playing Division One basketball, not NAIA and Division Two and, and junior colleges. So I think we've created this pie in the sky that does not really exist, and that's all we talk about. So, you know, we um, uh, are dealing with the elite. Everybody who plays basketball, uh, they are not elite. Yep. They're, 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 some people are just good basketball players that can get the education and degrees and have a nice life. Little, Little Hamilton was one of them. Sure. No, 100%. No, and, and it's probably another conversation for another day uh, between you and I, and hopefully we can do this again down the road because it is something that I talk about and it is something that frustrates me, and it is uh, – I think the narratives have completely swung the other way, and it's funny because on, on the last episode of this show that I did, somebody was asking me, well, why is this freshman so disappointing and why is that freshman so disappointing? And what I told the guy, I said, like, look – Zion Williamson or Anthony Davis or John Wall is the exception, not the rule. And we think just because a kid is a McDonald's All-American or he has this accolade or that accolade that he automatically should be that guy, if that makes sense. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting, though, we, we are – now, we, we, I don't know, in the last four or five years, we probably got 300 kids that put their name in the draft that didn't even get drafted. Yep. And so now they're 26, 27 years old. Uh, married with two kids and no degrees, and that list is going to continue to keep growing. Mm -hmm. And so, but and a lot of us because you know those guys are re are chasing their dream, and we're not putting the reality uh, in front of them. I want everybody who's capable of reaching their dreams to, to do so. I would never hold a kid back. Matter of fact, I would never push anybody out. But we've created a scenario that we talk about everything except getting the education. I yep. mean and, and and so I'm 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 disappointed that we're not putting uh that as part of uh, 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 of the conversation. Even with, with us talking about the uh the players getting uh paid for uh while they're in college to some degree, mm -hmm. I'd like to hear somebody talk about you know, somebody getting their education while they're in college and getting their and and, and 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 putting themselves in a position where hopefully they can, you know, can can have a, a a real solid, substantial way of life. And 
but that doesn't seem to be part of the conversation at all. It's, it's everything else that, that uh, about basketball other than the, the reality mm-hmm. of, of why a student athlete is going to college in the first place. To take advantage of the opportunity to earn a scholarship, so at least now you know we can uh, can get an education. No, I agree 100%. Like I said, we only have a couple minutes here, and I, I don't want to spend all – this is a great conversation, and we can continue this um, another day because this is stuff that I preach every day. And, and like you said, and frankly, like I said, it's people in the media – I don't include myself in this – where we spend too much time talking about the wrong things. Uh, but let's talk about your team a little bit. Back to your team. We mentioned um, – you know, number 10 in the country, you win at Louisville, we love Louisville, you know, Louisville's a great program, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, we talked about being ahead of schedule, behind schedule, how much better can this team get? Because that's the amazing thing to me. If you had told me before the season, hey, by March, Florida State figures it out there in the NCAA tournament, they're giving people problems, I wouldn't have been surprised. But if you had told me in January, they'll be ranked in the top 10, and they'll be a contender for the ACC title, I would have said that is shocking to me. And and listen, shame on me for, for not doing enough homework in the preseason, I guess. But I guess what I'm asking is you're so good now. You, you've reached so many heights now. You're playing at an insane level, 17-3 and three in your last 20 ACC games. But how much better can this team actually get? Well, I think we, we still uh, are in the development stages. I mean, I think we uh, our team is growing and has potential to develop and, and, and be pretty good. So, you know, we, we what we're doing now is just taking it one day at a time, realize we're teaching, developing, working with our youngsters. It's all going to work itself out. That's one thing good about college basketball. You get a chance to earn your rightful place. Absolutely. i wrap up here a couple last couple questions. Um, I You know, listen, I, I got to ask it. I'd be remiss if I didn't. Do you feel like you're getting the respect that you deserve? Do you feel like that Florida State is being talked about enough? Because, again, to be blunt, uh, you guys, I think, have exceeded every logical expectation. You beat Louisville. I think everybody started to notice, here we go again. This is a really good team. Well, well here again, I, I, I'm, I'm not one that worry about respect during the, in the middle of January. Sure. Now, understand, we were not ranked in the beginning of the year. Uh, we didn't worry about it because we felt like we had a chance to be pretty good. We lost six players last year. No one really knew a whole lot about us and how we were going to develop, which I, I get it. So we, we don't need to change our report. If I start looking for respect in, Jan- in the middle of January, then I might not have a good opportunity in, in March. So what we're doing, taking one day at a time, one game at a time, put, trying to put ourselves in a position where we can win as many games as possible. And the way you do that is worry about that which you can control. Respect is not one of them. A lot of the guys, the teams that get respect for, for, for uh, more than we do are guys uh, who coached at teams that were getting the respect 50, 60, 780 years ago, and they're getting respect because their program is respected because of the success of the tradition of their program. We're not one of those programs. We we we, we weren't invited to the party. <laughs> and so uh, what we have to do is, is, is just keep doing what we can control, uh, keep working, keep grinding, keep teaching, keep developing, and then we'll judge where we are in March. Is that something you're proud of, the fact that you are laying that foundation? Listen, we already established you're going to be at Florida State another 20 years into your 90s, but uh, eventually someone else is going to take over, and they're going to take over a program that has been to Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, maybe a Final Four here in the next year or two. Are you proud of what you've built and what you continue to build? Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's, that's our goal. That's our plan. 
is to continue to keep doing what we were hired to do, and hopefully for too long everyone will understand that 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 we are a program uh, of significance, and uh, you earn respect over a period of time. Tradition is hard to 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 to, to develop, and we in a conference where there are so much so many successful programs uh, that have been successful for many many years prior to us even coming to the league. We, we, what we want to do is just try to carve out our little niche. All right, last question. I'll let you go. I know you're busy. I know you got to run here. Um, I read an article about three or four years ago. I think most people know know this. If not before, they probably learned it uh, last Saturday against Louisville that you coached at Kentucky as an assistant under Joe B. Hall for a number of years. I read an article the same year that you guys got a commitment from Sam Bowie, the eventual number two pick in the NBA draft. Uh, you were right there with Ralph Sampson, the number one player, three-time national player of the year. I got to ask, I've wondered this for years, how close was Kentucky to having Ralph Sampson and Sam Bowie on the same roster? <laughs> I think that's the question you need to ask Ralph. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll to be honest with you. You know, we, 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 we have, I enjoyed Ralph. We still have a great relationship. Um, uh, that was a very interesting scenario, but Ralph made the uh, they made a choice for him to stay in, in Virginia, but uh, that would have been very intriguing for Ralph Sampson, Melvin Turpin, and Sam been on the same team. Very good. Coach Leonard Hamilton, the number 10-ranked Florida State Seminoles. Coach, I know you're slammed. I know you're busy. I appreciate you carving out a few minutes. Best of luck the rest of the season. Hope we can continue to talk down the road. I enjoyed it. Thank you again for the time. Thank you. All right, so I want to thank Leonard Hamilton for joining the show Guys, I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Leonard Hamilton is just, it's unbelievable what that guy has done. And as I just mentioned off the top, I really do think he is one of the most underappreciated coaches in the history of college basketball. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to call him the, the, the Hall of Famer, Leonard Hamilton, and I'll tell you why. Because the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is an abomination, and I think he will get there very soon. As I mentioned, he will, by the end of this season, be one of the five winningest coaches in the history of ACC basketball. So we're talking Dean Smith, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams. Can't lie, I kind of forgot who the fifth, the fourth guy was. And Leonard Hamilton will be number five. What he has done at that school, Florida State, uh, is incredible. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. He has promised that he's going to come back on, so I'm excited for Leonard Hamilton in the future. And now I want to wrap up. First of all, I want to do the shout outs, shout outs of the day. Two specific shout outs. The first one is is pretty obvious. The second one's a little more fun. First one, shout out to Quade Green. Quade Green, the former Kentucky Wildcat. You guys saw the news last week. This guy flunked off the team at Washington. Flunked off the team at Washington. First off, first of all, first off, he didn't even play last year. So keep in mind, this guy wasn't even playing. And he wasn't getting good grades. Then he comes back, uh, winter quarter, fall quarter, whatever, and he flunks off the team. And it's shout-out to Quade Green because do you know how dumb you have to be to flunk off a team in college athletics? Not even dumb. I'm not even – I don't want to question his intelligence. That's not what I was doing there. You know how lazy you co – college athletics gives you every resource available to not flunk your classes. They give you tutors. I texted two assistant coaches. One of them said, our guys get 10-plus hours of tutoring every week. 
That comes out to about an hour and a half of tutoring every single day. If you do it five days a week, it's two hours a day. And Quad A Green couldn't get D's. You couldn't get D's, Quad A Green? You couldn't get D's? Come on, man. We're not asking for much. We don't need you to be a Rhodes Scholar. You're not at Harvard. You just can't flunk off the team. And let's be honest, there was probably classes he could have took where the, the, the professors would have looked the other way. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but let's be honest. We know how this happens. If you had gone to UNC, you would have never, this wouldn't be an issue. But how do you flunk off a team with all the resources a college program gives you? And then on top of that, I will say too, some of this does fall on Mike Hopkins, the Washington coach, and his staff. Because there's no way with the resources that you have, but also the knowledge that you have, if it's a 10-week quarter, because they're on the quarter system at Washington, by week three or week four, you should be getting reports back like, oh yeah, this kid ain't going to class. You should probably have a chat with him and get that stuff figured out. So shout out to Quaddy Green and shout out to Washington. And by the way, devastating loss for them. He wasn't even playing that well, but they have gone 0-2 since they lost him. They lost at Stanford and at Cal over the weekend. So just pure incompetence across the board from Quaddy Green. You really have to try hard to flunk off a team. And the coaching staff is to blame here. The second shout-out of the day. Let's get to the second shout-out of the day. How about Diego the Tortoise? Did you see the story about Diego the Tortoise? I posted it on my Instagram page. Diego the Tortoise is a 100-year-old tortoise in the Galapagos Islands who had so much, well, you know, that he saved his entire species because he was getting it on. So shout out to Diego the Tortoise. The backstory on this, I just came across this story and I posted the screenshot on my Instagram page. But Diego the Tortoise, he's about a 100-year-old tortoise. So first of all, he's 100 years old. He's seen some things and he's certainly done some things. This tortoise has done some things, let me tell you. Uh, probably, in the, they said in the 1930s. So we're talking 90 years ago. He gets taken. He gets brought to the San Diego Zoo. Then in the 1960s, the tortoise population in the Galapagos Islands is basically extinct, okay? And they start this breeding program in the Galapagos Islands. As best as I read, there were two males and 12 females on this entire island. Then my boy Diego got there. And according to CNN, and I know some of you guys are a little iffy with CNN, whatever. According to an article I read on CNN, there are now 2,000 tortoises on the island. And 40% are believed to be basically the spawn of Diego the tortoise. So Diego the tortoise shows up, says, hey, ladies, what's up? There's 12 females. There's 14 total tortoises or tortoi or whatever you say. And he leaves, and there's 2,000. And 40% of them are his. And he's 100 years old. I wonder if he got that AT Blue Chew subscription, because that is, a, that is a man I need some tips from. So shout out to Diego the tortoise. Uh, that is my shout out of the day. Shout out to Quaddy Green. Shout out to Diego the tortoise. And that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Most importantly, before we go, one last time, I do want to thank Legacy Stadium for the hospitality, for having me. Um, this is just always a fun time to, to come to Vegas, uh, for them to host me, for me to do this, the, the recording in a professional setting. I appreciate all their staff. And again, one last time, if you are in Vegas for anything and you want to watch the games, Legacy Stadium is the place to go. It is at the Palazzo. 
Uh, they have a sports book in here. You can make bets, but it, you know, great drink specials. Anyone that was here knows the drink special that we got when we were here, which was twenty dollars. All you could drink Bud Light and vodka drinks. So make sure you come to Lagasse's. That is all for today's show. I gave my shout outs to Quad A Green. I gave my shout outs to Diego the Tortoise. By the way, before I mention it, before I leave, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast for great hard hitting content like Diego the Tortoise. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. iTunes, Podcast Addict. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to go. Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify. Also, rate and review. Give us a quick five stars like Sean Spriggs did. Uh, if you're following on Instagram, you're getting nothing but winners in college basketball. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. And finally, 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 if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig, the Australian legend. Shout out to Rachel, who I met at Lagasse's, who hates my voice. Shout out to Stu, who doesn't like me. And shout out to Diego the Tortoise. We'll be back later this week. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.